Good morning. Welcome again to worship on this Palm Sunday as we enter into the final week of Lent, this Holy Week, as we head towards Good Friday and Easter. I pray that you indeed would sense the Lord's presence with you as we strive to walk together in the way of Jesus. We are taking a break from our sermon series in Mark to focus on Palm Sunday and Holy Week. And so this morning, our text comes from John chapter 12, as the Gospel of John tells us about the events of that first Palm Sunday. Listen then again to God's word to us, coming from John chapter 12, reading verses 1 through 19. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's imagine the good times the disciples must have had with Jesus. Jesus is life, and being with him must have been full of life. It was joy to be with him, and one of those great times must have been that dinner party that John has just told us about in Bethany on the evening after the Sabbath, the night before what we call Palm Sunday. Bethany is the hometown of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, it is only two miles from Jerusalem, just on the other side of the hill of Mount Olives from, from Jerusalem. And Jesus had come for the Passover and, and they decided to have a banquet. 
in Jesus' honor in Bethany. Now, this is not like a banquet, banquet we might have at the Marriott. This was the whole one where the whole village would attend. The women would have been cooking all day. The honored guests would have been fed first, but everyone else would also be fed, and the rest of us would hope that maybe there'd be some meat left over for us too. There have been people all around with lots of laughter and conversation. And it makes sense that they would want to have a banquet. The other gospels tell us it was at the house of Simon the leper, whom Jesus had healed. Mary and Martha were there, and Lazarus was also an honored guest. He was famous now as the man that Jesus had raised from the dead. Kurt Kleininger, many years ago, did a, a one-person drama that imagines this scene as a, a dinner of a bunch of used-to-be's. Simon used to be a leper. Mary Magdalene used to be demon-possessed. Matthew used to be a tax collector. And we can imagine others who used to be deaf or blind, perhaps blind Bartimaeus, who Jesus had just healed in Jericho. Perhaps he too was there, who used to be blind. Everyone telling their story but what they used to be until Jesus came and healed them. Until finally, Lazarus stands up and says, oh yeah, well, I used to be dead. <laughs> and we can imagine the, the laughter and the joy. What can't Jesus do? Look what he has done for all of us. The joy must have been overflowing, bubbling over. Cloninger, in his imagination, even has Jesus standing up on the table to, to tell a joke. And it goes like this. Knock, knock. Who's there? Israel. Israel. Israel who? It's real nice to meet you. And the disciples go, ah, Jesus, you know, get down, sit down, Jesus, right? The, the joy, the fun of that banquet. But then Mary, then Mary takes this jar of perfume, breaks off the top and begins to anoint Jesus' feet. With she, she lets her hair down and begins to wipe his feet with her hair. Matthew and Mark tell us she also anointed his head with the perfume. And at this, the party stops, right? It gets real quiet. What is, what is Mary doing? This is not appropriate. A woman only lets her hair down with her husband. The whole house gets quiet. The courtyard gets quiet. The aroma fills the room, fills the house, wafts even into the courtyard. What had been a wonderful celebration of all that Jesus had done suddenly becomes this awkward moment of Mary's, Mary's what is she doing? This adoration of, of Jesus, his person, not celebrating what he had done, but giving honor to who he is. And can you imagine how awkward this must have been? This is, this is too intimate, inappropriate. What do we say? And in the silence, finally, Judas speaks up and says, this is obscene. Why We could have gotten $15,000 for that perfume. We could have given it to the poor. And Matthew and Mark tell us it wasn't just Judas saying this. All the disciples thought this. They all agreed. Mary, what are you doing? This is a waste. 
Talk about killing a party, right? Would have been a fun, joyful celebration of all that Jesus had done. Suddenly, there's now this awkward tension as Mary does this outrageous thing. The disciples break the tension by criticizing Mary, the sister of Lazarus. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. We can imagine right, the silence that must have filled the room after that statement. In the silence, I imagine indeed Mary not only anointed Jesus' feet, but then she went and indeed anointed his head. Cloninger comments, if you want to break up a party, just start talking about your funeral. I cannot imagine what Jesus was thinking. He knew what was coming, what the next week would bring. I can imagine him thanking and blessing Mary. And the party is over, right? All right, then, I guess we'll see you tomorrow, right? How does the party end? But that's the end. And they wake up and eat the next morning, and there is a whole crowd there in Bethany. And John tells us they're there to see Jesus and to see Lazarus. And many have decided to, to follow this Jesus, to believe in this Jesus because of the testimony of Lazarus, so much so that the high priests need are determined that they need to not only kill Jesus, we need to kill Lazarus too. Which does seem kind of funny to me, right? That this Lazarus who's been dead and already come back to life, and now we're going to kill him again, see if it works this time? In my mind, on this beautiful Sunday morning, Jesus and the disciples and this large crowd leave Bethany, cross over the top of the Mount of Olives, look down onto Jerusalem, and then begin to walk down the hill to enter the city. And people see this large crowd coming, and everyone starts asking, who is this? Why the crowd? What's, what's going on? It's Jesus of Nazareth. He's the one who raised Lazarus from the dead. He's done mighty acts of God. People are saying that he is the Messiah. And the word spreads before him, traveling much faster than Jesus is. And so in a matter of minutes, the word begins to spread inside the city of Jerusalem, where there would have been gathered several hundred thousand pilgrims already there for Passover. And John tells us there are two crowds. There was the crowd coming with Jesus from Bethany. And then there was a much larger crowd coming from Jerusalem, coming out to meet this Jesus, to see him. And as they came, they cut off palm, palm branches and went out to meet him. Can you feel the excitement in the air of all of this? These two crowds coming together around Jesus. The palm branches have particular significance. 200 years previous to this time, the Jews were suffering under terrible persecution from the Greeks. And the Jews revolted, the Maccabean revolt, which was successful at overthrowing the, the Greeks. And the symbol of that revolt was the palm branch. Forty years after this Palm Sunday, the Jews would revolt against the Romans, and they would again embrace the symbol of the palm branch. They made coins with a palm branch on it as part of that rebellion. There was no Jewish flag at that time, but there was the palm branch. Waving palm branches was a sign of Jewish nationalism. It was saying, Judah for the Jews. Freedom from Roman oppression. 
God's kingdom come. That is the Jewish kingdom come. And they began to cry out, Hosanna, which means save us. And they quoted Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But then they added their own verse to Psalm 118. Blessed is the king of Israel. Can you feel this excitement? Here's the one we have been waiting for. He can do miracles. He can raise the dead. God has anointed him. Here is our king. Here comes the king of Israel. And Jesus accepts their praise. He doesn't try to stop them. In the other gospels, when the religious leaders see this, they, they tell Jesus to tell them to stop. And Jesus says, I can't. Even if they did stop, even the stones themselves would cry out. But in John, our text, Jesus does a subtle thing. And John tells the story a little differently than the other three gospels. The other three gospels tell the story of Jesus sending disciples ahead to get a donkey for Jesus to ride. And they tell the story as Jesus riding the donkey the whole time. But John tells it differently. John says that Jesus does not get the donkey until he hears the crowds calling him king. This is the second time in John's gospel when they've wanted to make him king. The first was when he fed the 5,000. He said, let's make him king. And Jesus quietly slipped away into the hills. Here, he doesn't stop them, but he quickly gets a donkey and rides into the city on a donkey, fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah 9 that we read earlier. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Mary killed the party by taking the conversation from all about all the great things Jesus had done to who is this Jesus and how should we respond to him? And Jesus does a very similar thing here. In this great crowd of excitement and nationalism and mixture of patriotic and religious fervor, Jesus gets on a donkey, not on a stallion. He doesn't borrow somebody's chariot. No, he enters Jerusalem lowly and riding on a donkey. And John says in verse 16 that even his disciples did not understand what Jesus was doing. What didn't they understand? Well, they understood that he was the king of Israel. They understood that he was the Messiah. What they didn't understand was how he was to be a king. Not until later, John tells us, not until after Jesus is glorified. And for John, Jesus was glorified when he was lifted up onto the cross. They didn't understand until after they had seen him crucified. Jesus was saying, by getting the donkey, Jesus was saying, yes, I am your king, but I am not your king in the nationalistic, militaristic way that you think I am. I am a king who comes humbly, who comes as God's suffering servant in Isaiah 53 to take away the chariots and the war horses, to break the battle bow, and proclaim peace not only to the Jews, 
but also to the nations, including the Romans. That's what he was saying, but no one got it, at least not right away. I want us to think about both of these stories this morning and how much we need to hear these two stories, how much we today need to hear these two stories. We need this, these two stories because we too are prone not to get it. First, we are prone to love the banquet, but to miss Jesus. The banquet time with Jesus would have been so good and so fun, laughing and celebrating all that Jesus has done in their lives. Indeed, it is a very good thing. Hear me clearly, we should do that. Jesus is there, Jesus did that. But the danger for us is to think or to imagine that that is all that our faith should be. I believe we are prone to the temptation to only share the victories, the healings, the miracles of what God has done. We are prone to communicate by our actions that we love God only because of all of the blessings he gives us. Mary breaks the jar of perfume and immediately our celebrating and laughter stops. And Mary, by her action, reminds us that we love Jesus, not only because of what he has done for us, but we love Jesus for who he is. It reminds us that we love Jesus who is facing his funeral, the Jesus who dies for us. It reminds us that following Jesus, yes, does mean miracles and healings, but it also means a cross. It means death to self. It means crucifying my will, my desires, and allowing God to give birth to a new self, to new desires. It means following Jesus is not a life of victory unto victory, but includes grief and loss. Secondly, we are prone to get excited. We are prone to get excited about Jesus, our King, about Jesus making all things right, about what God's kingdom looks like. But we are just as prone as the crowds on Palm Sunday to miss how, how our King accomplishes those things. We get so excited about Jesus' end goals that we forget the means by which he accomplishes those ends. Whether we are excited about Jesus bringing racial justice or about Jesus protecting the lives of the unborn, we are prone to seek to accomplish those ends by our means. Jesus is king. His kingdom will come through the cross, through self-sacrifice, through loving his enemies, through humility. But let's be clear, humility is not the same thing as being nice. Self-sacrifice is not the same thing as passivity or being complicit to the status quo. Matthew tells us that Jesus rode humbly into Jerusalem on this donkey and then went straight to the temple and cleansed the temple, drove out the money changers so the Gentiles would have the freedom to be able to worship God in the temple as well. He took on the temple, in his humility, took on the temple leadership, which sealed his death warrant. We want Jesus to be king. We want Jesus to win. But I'm afraid 
We want this at no cost to us. Jesus gets the donkey to remind us, come follow me and take up your cross. I learned something this week about donkeys. When Jesus got on the back of that donkey, do you know what he saw? Donkeys have a cross on their back. They have a black line that runs along the line of their spine, and then they have a black line that runs across their shoulders to form a cross. The donkey reminded Jesus of where he was headed. And Jesus reminds us of where we are headed. Yes, there are banquets along the way, thank God. And there will indeed be one day a great, long prepared for banquet feast at the end. But now, now he says, come follow me. Come pour out your life. Pour out our life together so that we might be a fragrant aroma that fills the whole world. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, may we be like Mary, willing to pour out that which is most precious to us in worship and adoration to you, giving of ourselves to follow where you would lead us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.